Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, goofballs and scumbags, whether you're blowing bubbles this weekend, I know some of y'all are, or whether you're not, y'all know what time it is, we are back at it again. This is the Football Misfits episode 70, that's 30 away from 100 if y'all keeping score, and y'all better be keeping score. I am your host, LV, a.k.a. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. My Rainy Black Bottom, a.k.a. Buck Nasty. And I am, of course, joined by the other host of the show, of course, the man we call Mr. Misfits, the one who gets it done, the one who closes the deals, the one, the only. Y'all may know him as Ronnie. Uh, I'm not going to front. I think I know him as Rum Coquito, Mr. Rum Coquito, if you will. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. Happy holidays. It's Coquito season. Gotta remind y'all throughout December, stay strong, be brave. She, them Coquitos be coming in strong like Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. As soon as the holidays hit, da, 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 it's pulling that up is now. a fact. Shouts to Cremas as well. Shouts to Cremas. Oh, big up to Cremas. All my, all my Haitians out there, you know what time it is. But Cremas aside, this wouldn't be the football misfits unless we had some facts to back up the bullshit that we're talking about. Of course, by facts, I mean uh, the man sitting at the data desk, the Spencyclopedia Britannica. He was on a yellow card, but I think after next week, he's clear. No more suspensions unless he gets another one here tonight. I'm talking about Spencer. Spence, say what's good for the one time. Peace and love, peace and love. Shout out to D Rock Riggy. <laughs> Yo, he ain't waste no time. Damn. If I'm not mistaken, Ronnie, usually uh, the, the shout outs get saved for the end of the pod, but. Yeah, my boy was. Yeah, not. he couldn't wait, fam. <laughs> I, I respect it. Well, I mean, speaking of, I mean, he got right to it. Might as well get right to it. Um, we uh, saw a bunch of club footy this week. No Champions League, but that's okay because many of the uh, big leagues that we like to watch uh, gave us uh, some some midweek footy. It's that time of the year, the holiday season. Ronnie, what was your favorite match this week? Okay, so admittedly, a Real Madrid game is my favorite game of the week. What? <laughs> Real Madrid Athletic Club. Real Madrid. All they needed was a current Benzema winner in the 40th minute to seal the deal. But most of the second half, I say was dominated by Athletic Club knocking on the door, but just not being able to produce. I just love seeing that little bit of determination on the side of the Leones. Um, stats wise, doesn't really you know favor them. They only had like two shots on target all game, but hey man, the chances were there to be had. And I was hopeful for the 1 1 draw, but that didn't happen. But it was still a really good game to watch Real Madrid Athletic Club. And I didn't see the entire game, um, but NYCFC today, Sunday, beat Philadelphia 2 1. They are going to the MLS Cup final. Bing bong. Bing mother effing bong. <laughs> By the way, it was a Philly team that was just ravaged with COVID. Sucks for them. Hope everyone's okay on that part. But knowing that, the odds were against them. NYCFC, they're in the MLS Cup in their, what, seventh season of existence? Now, if they win MLS Cup before the Red Bull do, embarrassing for the team that's been around for like 27 years and shit but nycfc are in the cup excited they play portland on sábado that being said lv i pass the baton to you 
what were your matches of the week? Okay, so in the Premier League, I have been paying attention to a couple of sides this season. I think I mentioned at the top of the year. One of them was definitely Everton with Rafa Benitez because that is a wild appointment. Obviously, things have been ugly for Everton, as we may all know, as Liverpool gave them the absolute beats. The other team that I just picked up on my radar is Aston Villa. Having not the best uh, seasons thus far, they fired their man, Dean Smith. Obviously, we know they got rid of the man, Jack Grealish. Uh, you know, could have kept Dean Smith, but their new man, Steven Gerrard. Now, after the match that I'm going to point out, three wins from four with uh, the only loss coming to Man City at the midweek. The match I'm speaking of, of course, guys, Aston Villa versus Leicester City. Villa would win 2-1 with goals coming from Ezri Konza. Harvey Barnes would get the long goal for Leicester, but... Yeah, I mean, the reason why this was my favorite match, I mean, aside from the fact that it was really entertaining, uh, Steven Gerrard, he's got some pep in his step. If you watch him on the sidelines, uh, every goal they score, he's jumping up and down. I thought it was Antonio Conte for a hot sec, but uh, only one of them is a scouser. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Gerrard's absolutely looking confident. He's making very confident manager moves, like things you would make, uh, you know, when you're on the job for quite some time, for example. He made the decision last week to just have Ollie Watkins as the lone striker, drop Danny Ings to the bench, and it's working for him. It is absolutely working for him. He did more of the same this week against Leicester. Emmy Buendia on the wing uh, with Watkins up front. Marvelous Nakamba, what a name, uh, in the midfield. And then one player that I've been enjoying uh, that I think has been also making a bit of a resurgence, looking more like himself from last season, uh, John McGinn, Scottish international revitalized under Steven Gerrard and also, uh, of course, as Ronnie pointed out, Matty Cash was Polish. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Uh, Aston Villa beat Leicester 2-1 at Villa Park. Steven Gerrard on the bounce. Uh, He's got three wins in four. Love to see it. Now, question for both of you, especially the Liverpool supporter in the group. Does Villa win their next game? Hey, not so fast. Not so fast. Last last season, we said the same thing, I think, for the most part. And Villa came out and won 7-2. No, 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 no. no. I'm not asking because of that. I'm asking because of the reunion factor. Oh, yes. Okay, so um, in regards to that, I uh, heard from some Liverpool faithful on the internet, obviously, you could be some embellishments. Not me. There's there's no time to drop points over reunions. They have so, to win. Yeah, so y'all wouldn't give the three points to the GOAT? Y'all just wouldn't give it to him? Again, Liverpool have to be <laughs> asking <Villa. laughs> Hey, I respect it. I respect yeah, it. That says it all. It's club club over club over player, as as a uh, as a uh, and mad people know, as Manchester United had to learn the hard way. As Chelsea had to learn the hard way. Uh, and anyways, that being said, I won't rain on Gerard's parade. Uh, he's doing pretty well so far. Um, if I was in Spencer's shoes, I probably would say the same thing. <laughs> now, you said player over club. Of course, I understand you. But Monday saw the biggest prize in individual players awarded. Damn, did we not? We didn't talk about the Ballon d'Or. Or well, should I pr- try to pronounce it right? Like my boy Sebastian at Campfire Football, the Ballon d'Or. Do listen to that, by the way. We were on his pod after he came on our pod over the summer. Great time. 
good conversation ranging from Ballon d'Or, MLS, players who we fancied, and everything in between. So definitely check that out on Campfire Football. But as for the Ballon d'Or, let's not drag into it. Rather, let's just get straight to the point. Messi won, Lewandowski two. Thoughts? I'm not mad at Messi winning. He has had a really good year. Um, I think a lot of the times, even for his standards, obviously we you know we've seen Messi score 90 goals in a year, calendar year, this, that, and the third. But uh, yeah, he's achieved some some milestones, I guess, that he didn't have previously. And I just was uh, I just found out what the sort of criteria is uh, that's used by the Ballon d'Or. Uh, thanks to the football daily, the Euro leagues on BBC. Got to check that out if you're not listening to us. Um, I guess it has to do with career achievements are thrown in there, which is nuts. Very. Um, because the other couple of criteria are all based in the in the calendar year from January to October. So how you throw career achievements in that is nuts to me. Um, but I, I don't get it. I probably will never get it. And um, I guess it is not, it's not for me to get. It's obviously for me to debate because that's what uh, the magazines want. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think uh, I'm not mad at Messi getting it. Would have loved to see Lewandowski get it. Uh, he did deserve it. I think the year passed when they canceled the awards. Um, but apart from him, yeah, I mean, can Lewandowski really – if it was anybody else, I could see an uproar happening, but I think Messi is, is the, safe, the safe choice. <laughs> so I'm not there mad was at it. Quite the uproar, though, for Lewandowski not winning it. And I feel yeah. like part of it is because he did have a good season last year. He did not take his foot off the 2020 gas. He beat an age-old Bundesliga goal-scoring record. Say for what sure. you want about Bundesliga being, quote, Farmers League or whatever or being a weak league, or Bayern winning it every year. Gerd Müller, one of the best attackers in German footy history. You, uh, you could even argue world football history. Yep. Having his record not even touched for the better part of nearly 50 years. And for Lewandowski to come out nowhere and take that record for him, he didn't obliterate yeah. it, but he took it and made it his. Yeah. Got to acknowledge that shit. And the fact that last season he basically went, you know, went right up to it. Uh, so it's not like the, the, the things that he's doing in just the, you know, over the period of a season. This is consistency showing. Uh, if y'all want to talk career achievements, but um, and if you yeah. do want to talk about career achievements, Lewandowski mm-hmm. does have a trophy case. Quite no, a, a, a bunch, and now he also uh, not doesn't have the Ballon d'Or, but he did get the newest crowned trophy that they gave uh, Which to him. We have to pause the pot on. Pause, pause the pot. Pause the pot on the pizza, on the pizza trophy. That was two bros. What was that shit? That was two brothers pizza, 99 cents. Uh, you know. R.I.P. Two bros. For real. They put the little uh, rolling pin on there. Maybe there's a little bit of flour left over residue. I don't know what that was. Um, Besides the yeah. trophy looking aesthetically ugly, the fact that they just they made that trophy as like a constellation for Lewandowski having the 2020 award canceled. Complete bullshit. Yeah, I mean, to the point where even Messi himself on stage, and obviously this could be, um, you know, just the what you say, the politically correct thing, a little fake small talk when you're running out of things to say on, on stage, I saying disagree. that Lewandowski, you deserved the award last year. Everyone knows it. It was your award and yada, yada, yada. Shades of Macklemore 
winning the uh, album, Hip Hop Album of the Year and telling Kendrick Lamar, dude, this is your award, uh, you know, things like that. But uh, yeah, you know, it seems that people I are recognizing Yeah, well, there you go. You know, Billie Eilish and Meg Thee Stallion, we can go on forever. But I think it's the idea that people are recognizing, and not only just people, the players as well that are winning these awards, are recognizing that Lewandowski is doing, you know, special things and maybe does deserve some sort of recognition for it. But the history books will not echo that because Messi took home his seventh and uh, Ronaldo was not happy, fam. He was sick about that. Mm, All the Ronaldo stands were not happy. There was even someone who put up an Instagram post about why Ronaldo is better than Messi. Ronaldo just called him in the comments talking about factos. Yo, I'm not going to front. That that shit, I thought that was funny as hell. He said factos. I'm going to start using that. (laughs) Funny, yes. If it was him who did it, you know people are watching you, fam. Made you definitely look egotistical. If it was your social media team, BS of the week. But Factos. <laughs> I have a question um, for y'all real quick, if you don't mind. Um, as much as we debate the Ballon d'Or and who should have been where and the list and achievements and whatever the case may be, uh, do you think um, – how do you think the players feel about it? Do you think that they still feel like this is, you know, a huge award, an award that's worth having? Ronaldo definitely does. Factos. <laughs> Factos. Factos. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Messi's humble about it at the very least. He had an interview today where, you know, he even talked about wanting to be a bit low-key, but some players might give a fuck about it, some might not. It depends, really. I think players still care because at the end of the day, when you look at the winners, there's not a lot. If you want to be in that select group, players definitely still care. Yeah, I, I think I agree there. I think it still means something. It's like an all-inclusive club. You can't sit with us if you don't have one. Well, yeah, but I, I think I'll, I guess so, yeah. And it just kind of probably with the company that you must be in makes you feel like I'm, I'm doing something right. So regardless of whether or not it comes from a journalist or from a magazine, um, yeah, it seems to have some merit. I mean, Lewandowski looked heated. I ain't on front. I was watching him uh, on stage. It's actually might, it might, this might be the first time I actually sat through the awards because it was on Paramount Plus. Crazy business. Watching Lewandowski or when Messi won the award, it just looked he he, he ain't looked too happy. I'll be honest with you. But um, well, he just had a cutting board presented to him. Yeah, of course, so would look angry. Yeah, I'd be heated too. I ain't gonna. <laughs> Not the cutting board. That was the biggest BS of the night. Whether you agree on Messi winning it or not, seeing Lewandowski get that oversized frisbee is it, I would be livid. Yeah, man. he's worth more than just that. That's a fact. I probably would have melted it down and sold it or something like that. I don't know. Ajax melted the Eredivisie trophy, made the little stars, and sent it to season ticket holders. I would just melt it down out of the petty. That's a fact. Uh, I would have like ate some food off of it. They've done some wild shit. I think uh, Sebastian, on uh, uh, when we visited his pod, said it would have been cool to see Lewandowski just frisbee it into the crowd. Now that would have been gangster. I mean, that would have been, been gangster. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, Ronnie. I mean, I guess. What are your thoughts? Do you feel like someone else should have got it? How do you feel about Messi getting it? It was either Messi or Lewandowski, in my opinion, because like I said, you can't undermine the feat Lewandowski did in the Bundesliga. You also can't undermine Messi winning Copa America with Argentina, which might have been the tiebreaker if there was one between them two. He dragged Barcelona's feet through the fire, got them a Copa del Rey, 
still managed to be the top scorer in La Liga and won a, ch- a title with Argentina for the first time, albeit this time at PSG hasn't been the best. If you look at the whole totality of 2021, at least through October 2021, because that's when the voting ends, you, you can make the argument for him. You can make the argument against him. I'm not mad at him or Lewandowski winning it, but that's what happens, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, other awards that were given, obviously, the Ballon d'Or uh, on the women's side were given to Alexia Putellas of Barcelona. No disagreements think, there. Yeah, I don't think anybody would be tied at that at all. Uh, the Yashin Trophy, uh, which is given to the best goalkeeper, was given to none other than Gigi Donnarumma, European champion, also UEFA Euro player of the tournament, first goalkeeper to do that since Peter Schmeichel. And uh, I think the, the Copa, the best young player award given to the hardest working man in sports, Pedri. He'll work harder than Stephen A. Smith, man. He's everywhere. Man took a short vacation. He did the Euros. Barcelona's engine. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of the awards, for the most part, aside from the ones that everybody's going to debate, didn't have that much issue. Oh, and the club of the year went to Chelsea. Club of the year did go to Chelsea. Uh, Thomas Tuchel looks even weirder without his tracksuit on uh, than with one. Fam looked like he uh he just he looks like he had a court date <laughs> and couldn't find a tie. <laughs> uh, but Jorginho was there. Didier Drogba was presenting that well, most of the awards, but he was specifically speaking to Chelsea in that regard. And it was it was nice to see him uh, kind of uh, parlay with his old club where he you know made made uh, made things happen. Yeah, I mean aside from that, pretty customary. Uh, I don't think there's much to to debate. Uh, now the club of the year, real quick. That's mm-hmm. for the club as a whole, because I remember both men and women's teams were there when they presented yeah. Yeah. club of the year. Yep, 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 yeah. I think the women's coach was there. Uh, Tuchel was also there. Um, so I mean, I mean, I guess it shows the merit. Uh, I think because Chelsea's women's team, uh, I believe, team won the Premier. Chelsea's women's team last season they won the WSL. Yes, they won the League Cup. And today they won the FA Cup. Uh, I mean, yeah. So there you go. I mean, three nothing Chelsea... over Arsenal, by the way. Oof. And I like, me, I like Oof. as much as I hate Arsenal, I do like Medema or Medem. I'm gonna say her name wrong. Vivian Medema. I got you. Vivian, thank you, Ronnie. I appreciate People that. People had to debate that she should have won Ballon d'Or over Pudeas, but neither here nor there. Yeah, I think when we found out later than it should have been that Barcelona went undefeated and then some. Um, I feel like it could have been any a couple of players from Barcelona, but Pateas obviously put in the work and deserved it. But back to Chelsea being club of the year, yeah, I mean, with with both you know both clubs, men and women, just pretty much winning. Uh, obviously, Chelsea winning the Champions League, that in itself, in, in the men's competition and maybe in the women's competition, uh, gives you all type of praise. So, um, yeah, I'm not mad at it. Not mad at it at all. Uh, they had the most balanced year it seems on both sides, and they did. They did some great things last season. And that is the Ballon d'Or, the competition that we don't want to care about. But we do care about. Tune in next year. Yes. There was a midweek footy. You mentioned the Merseyside Derby. You mean the Merseyside ass whipping? Yes. Manchester United Arsenal was also the standout fixture of the midweek, resulting in a Manchester United 3-2 victory over the aforementioned Asna. It looked like another one of those Manchester United games where they just had to pull a result out of their ass in the final moments. Um, 
But before then, let's, I want to talk about Emil Smith-Rowe's goal early. The one in which, yes, Fred fouled De Gea. We're good on that, right? Yeah, no, uh, in my opinion, no issue at all. Um, I can understand wanting to uh, double check if the ref didn't have a clear view. Um, but obviously it was clear that Fred made the impact on De Gea that you know, made him drop. Um, that has nothing to do with me, fam, unless it's a head injury, which it wasn't. Because um, the head did seem to try to, you know, uh, get back up and and then afterwards seem to be a, a quote unquote hurt. Uh, so if I'm an Arsenal player and I I have a chance on goal that has nothing to do with me, I'm putting that in the back of the net ten times out of ten. And ultimately it was given. So yeah, I had no issues. Neither do I, fam. You said it perfectly. Um, Bruno Fernandes equalized the game before half time. Odegaard scored, and he was. Also responsible for a fuck up in the second half. He fouled Fred. Ronaldo scored. That was his second goal of the game. His 801st career goal. 3 2 winners at Old Trafford. This was Michael Carrick's final match. After the fact, he said, Yeah, man, I'm leaving. Good luck to Ralph Ragnarick. I'm out. Like how he handled it. Um, They were probably, I, I think it was on Football Daily that I heard this. Again, if it's not the Misfits, it's them. They were playing knowing this was a farewell to Michael Carrick. But yeah, that being said, Ralph Ragnick is in. And we saw him in action against, I believe, Crystal Palace, was it? Yes, Crystal Palace, 1-0 win over them. Uh, goal in the 77th minute by none other than, you guessed it, Fred with a, actually, a really nice goal. Uh, outside the box, um, after a little jumble up um, and kind of lost it in the top left corner. It, it was today was the day of and today we're talking on Sunday was a day where a lot of Brazilians scored some interesting goals and by a lot I mean Lucas and Fred. Um, he might yes. turn Fred world class is what I was hearing on um, the socials. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all around I, I think uh, Crystal Palace who have been an interesting side this past season. The game itself was pretty competitive. Um, it was nil up like I said up until the seventy seventh minute. Um, that moment of magic from Fred, but United did look okay. They look composed. They look, you know, they didn't look like they like they did against Watford, of course. I mean, they didn't even look like they did against Arsenal in the midweek. Um, not saying that uh, Ragnick has come in and changed everything, but they look solid. Um, and they took care of business against the team. Crystal Palace has been giving, um, you know, anybody that they kind of come up against a bit of trouble. So. Um, maybe some positive signs for United to take away since Ole's sacking. Uh, they have won in the Champions League. They've won in the Premier League, I think, twice each. So the Carrick uh, Ragnick era begins with some positivity. Um, yeah, finally got in. Finally got in this week after uh, after having some work permit issues. It seemed. Uh, couldn't couldn't get uh, verified or approved to, to move in, which is always interesting to me how that works. Like you know, he's going to become a coach of a, a big professional club. Like, what's the issue? I don't understand. But this but, is uh, a good old case of. To be fair, I do not care. Same. You hit it on the head, fam. To be fair, I don't care. High five. You hit it on the head. <laughs> Bow. There we go. <laughs> but I mean, elsewhere in the, if I can, I can elsewhere in the Premier League. You know, aside from the midweek matches you mentioned, um, we did have an interesting shakeup over the weekend in the Premier League as Chelsea began 
uh, top of the table. Um, we'll get to their match in a second. And Liverpool, uh, after an incredible dying minute uh, goal from, you know, it's not going to be anybody else, but Divac Origi. Divac Origi, Origi, however you want to spell his name or say his name, all he does is score last minute goals as they would get one against Wolves. They would go top of the table briefly until Man City played later that afternoon and completely passed Watford out of the park. Uh, so three teams were top of the table on Saturday, with City ending the weekend uh, up top. Now, we did mention Chelsea's match. Uh, this one, aside from the mouth-watering quote-unquote fixtures of the week and the weekend, I think was or became one of them. West Ham, Chelsea. West Ham have been sort of flying uh, form up and down, but beating notable teams. Uh, which include Manchester City, and doing really really well in the Europa League group. Ronnie has mentioned them, obviously, um, considering maybe they finish in the top four spot. They further solidified that case today against Chelsea, where they came from behind twice to win 3-2. And this, this is a Chelsea side who you could argue is quote-unquote out of form, but this is also a Chelsea side who beat Juventus 4-0 less than two weeks ago. Um, so... I guess all credit to David Moyes playing the uh, the three four two one formation and it seems to be working. Everybody is on you know high gear. You know Chelsea are pissed when they say, you know what, we're just gonna buy Declan Rice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but West Ham win three two, and as always, I guess this opens up the conversation that we had. We, we had this off the pod. We spoke about it a couple times on the pod a couple weeks back. The David Moyes West Ham. Are they to be taken serious? And David Moyes, does he deserve his flowers? Yes and yes. The job David Moyes has been doing at West Ham since he got there for Pellegrini has been stellar. Yes, he joined mid-season, and they finished pretty low on the table. But since he got there last season, they finished sixth. Reason why they're in the Europa League. I would even make the argument deserving of manager of the year for that accomplishment. But if it wasn't for that, this year I would say if West Ham keep it up, definitely worthy of that award. But yeah, definitely giving us flowers for what he's doing at West Ham. As Spencer says, from the uh, data death, the footballing genius, David Moyes, Mr. Who used to be, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That meme was, you know, I think set in stone is like a classic meme. I'm now seeing folks use the same photo and with the caption, I know exactly what I'm doing. Crazy. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I would agree with you. Um, I wonder why things have gone so well for him now, you know, after having so much struggle since, you know, Man United, uh, Real Sociedad, you know, uh, Sunderland, and then now, you know, back at West Ham. I wonder why things are going well for him, but, you know, he seems to be not make any wrong moves, even going back to picking up Jesse Lingard on loan. And he became a crucial part of why they did so well towards the latter half of last season. And then even this season with their players that played well in the Euro, obviously we're talking about Declan Rice, Thomas Suchek, but even making smart pickups like maybe a Kurt Zuma taking him from Chelsea where he knows he may not be getting much playtime. Good pickup, good pickup. Watching him get better. So it just seems like whether or not it's him making these choices or throwing, you know, um, leading that sort of charge of getting those picks, whatever he's doing seems to be working. The formation works. Mikel Antonio we talked about. Started the league on hot fire yep. uh, and really, really hasn't cooled down at all. 
everybody seems to be seems to be doing well from Manuel Lanzini who scored yesterday to the old heads you know we got Jared Bowen I mean I, I can name all the guys but uh, you know we got Kufel Vladimir Kufel Kufel who's been doing uh really well so yeah I wonder I wonder why it's been working out for him but whatever David Moyes is doing I think Ronnie I agree with you manager of the year last season he could have been you know debatably manager of the year last season but yeah we'll, we'll see where they go going into you know the rest of the season the campaign obviously my big thing with them is the Europa League I think that uh as they go deeper in the competition which I'm sure they will it'll be interesting to see how deep this team really is because the Premier League always has been a marathon and we've seen specifically I'll point out in the last two seasons Leicester City who have been you know, really solid in the Premier League under Brendan Rodgers, another manager who sort of has been making, you know, waves after, you know, not blowing the gates off the hinges um, at Liverpool. But Leicester City uh, sort of struggled towards the end of the season and allowed Manchester United to sneak in there and, and take points. We'll see what happens with them. The second half of the season is where things matter. And let's see how deep this squad is. And let's see if, if David Moyes can, you know, manage them to put, a Champions League finish, I think, absolutely earns a manager of the year, despite the incredible title race and the incredible trio of managers that we have at the top that are beefing right now. I think that is a huge W for West Ham, who haven't seen Champions League football and God knows how long blowing bubbles in Champions League nights. I would hate to see it, but the Hammers won't. You left off my guy when you were doing shouts to West Ham players. Said Ben Rama. Oh, man, your man since Brentford. My man since Brentford. Wanted to mention that. And whenever we're talking about David Moyes, it's always appropriate to reminisce at the time he spoke Spanish at Real Sociedad, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I know some of the players. They have been training with me. Dos, tres, cuatro times. And... Uh, but I've not seen them play. Does Trace Quattro? <laughs> Very Scottish. Yeah, good times. But if that's enough with the Prem, um, that is, that is enough with the Prem. Aside from the fact that Spurs win against Norwich, woo! That's it. I had to sneak that in. <laughs> we have to talk about the game with the biggest smoke, the biggest heat, the biggest drama. That came in Germany, De Classique. Oof. Iron Munich away to Borussia Dortmund. 3 2 finish in favor of Bayern Munich, but it was BVP who got things started on and early with Julian Brandt in the fifth minute. But as soon as that happened, Robert Lewandowski saw the fuck up Max Hummels made and he ate. <laughs> Robert Lewandowski said, Oh, I'm not going to get the Ballon d'Or. I feel sorry for whoever I got to see this weekend. It, it was terrible timing for BVB, apparently. He scored again in the second half on another Matsumo's fuck-up. Erling Haaland did equalize in the second half. It was 2-2 after Kingsley Coman goal. Again, fucked-up defense. But the biggest talking point of this game, a moment in which Marco Royce is going towards the box to attack. He was fouled by Lucas Hernandez. No VAR signals, no penalty calls. BVB were 
livid. The smoke that was handed by Erling Haaland and especially Jude Bellingham after the match. Boy. Bellingham, yeah, and I quote, you give a referee, the referee in this instance was Felix Zwyer. If y'all want to fact check that for me, I appreciate it. Yeah, Zwyer. Yes. You give a referee who has match fixed before the biggest game in Germany. What do you expect? Now, Ooh. Bellingham is implying that this guy had the fix in. Yeah. Um, and uh, Holland was following up. It's pretty much the same thing. Holland being, you know, the confrontational person he is or footballer he is, goes up to the referee and says, why don't you look at the monitor? And quote, he says, the referee said, there's no need. Like an arrogant, took a pause and said, no, I would have to calm down a little bit. He was arrogant and I would not say more. Uh, yeah, this is madness. I mean, well, me personally, I didn't know about this in 2005, but having looked it up and checking out, checking the facts and the stories, yeah, this was some wild stuff. You know, one one referee um, did two years in jail for this, allegedly. <laughs> so... Um, it's like Tim Donaghy in the NBA being let back in the league. And I, I, even if it, it wasn't true, I mean, I, the penalty itself was questionable. And I, I, I'd feel a way losing to, you know, Byron and their classicer as well, a.k.a. Rolling Loud, the smoke show. Um, I, would, I would feel a way as well. But me personally, I like the fact that Holland and Bellingham, even if – this didn't. This wasn't fixed, or, or they obviously they can't prove it in any which way. Maybe they can, but even if it isn't, I like their energy in 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 taking it straight to the ref and saying "fuck that." This boy is over here fixing it and just getting that ignorant energy. I, I'm a fan of it personally, maybe for selfish reasons. I like uh, the entertainment. The you know when folks get a little ignorant here, but Bellingham and in uh, Holland not holding their tongue, if you will. And I'm cool with that. Let's talk about this a little bit more. In a way, I do like that, getting whatever's off their chest. At the same time, the phrasing of Bellingham's statement seemed as if this official's wire was fixing this match. Yep. That might be a little bit of line-stepping, albeit he does have a pass of doing this. Um, <laughs> might, might be a lot of bit of line-stepping. <laughs> hey, man. Call him a cheater. Go ahead. Um, Call him a cheater straight up. Per The Athletic and per their reporting, a volunteer referee in Germany brought on a defamation lawsuit on behalf of Zwire against Bellingham and former German referee Manuel Graf. There's no merit to it. Also, there may or may not be punishment coming from this. That's interesting. Did did, um, defamation suit also include Holland or is it just Bellingham? Bellingham and then the former German official who said Zwire had lacked balance sending off Marco Rosa, the BVB manager, for two bouts of dissent after the incidents in question being the handball that led to Lewandowski's penalty and then the foul on Royce that didn't get called. Um, that's interesting. because That's how- not worth a defamation lawsuit. I get the Bellingham shit is. That's a little bit too much. And by the way, it's not even that official who is who launched the lawsuit. It was some volunteer official in German football. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the interesting the the the, the, 
that they left Holland out because Holland himself, aside from what he said about the referee being arrogant, he said on the officiating, I think it was a scandal when it comes to the referee. I think you don't just say those words out the blue. You, you know, that's calculated. He chose those words. So it's like to leave Holland out as well. I wonder why. Uh, maybe I could see why because what Holland said is more of an emotional reaction, albeit Bellingham's was. Yeah. Bellingham well, also seemed like an accusation. Yeah, one was a bit more vague, a little open-ended. Right. Factos. Factos. This guy. Um, so I don't see any punishment coming from this based off of what I'm hearing from Germany because, hey, man, he did match fix in the past. He is just speaking facts at the end of the day. But <laughs> Which is wild. Ridiculous. Would you throw in a little nugget that it does sound like an accusation as well? I don't know if there might be punishment coming for Bellingham, um, but we'll see what happens. All in all, when we're really being honest, while yes, specifically the Royce foul definitely went against Dortmund, and that definitely was a penalty. I don't know if y'all saw that, but you mm-hmm. asked me, penalty all the way. The referee is not at fault for Mats Hummels' fuck-ups. Yeah, and and I know you've been critical of him in the past, and I know he hasn't been with the Matt Summers of 2015. He's I've been, been critical yeah. of the BBB defense because this season they have yeah, been same. shit. Same, same, absolutely. And even last season, you know, I, I even went so low as to liken them to my Spurs at the end, the tail end of Jose Mourinho's era where the defense was terrible. But this is, I guess you could say, more of the same. This is a BBB side who hasn't been doing so well. Holland just coming back. And even with him, this is a match that could have put them top of the league, perhaps, or tied with uh, with Bayern. So this wasn't a match that didn't have any sort of implications. So I can understand why the emotions would have run high. Um, and sometimes when... You, and I'm not saying this is was the case that anything is possible, but sometimes when you have a lot of Lewandowski in your face, you got to deal with real rap. And uh, BBB, specifically Bellingham and Holland, Holland, you know, this could be a very emotional reaction, as you've mentioned. You know, this could be uh, definitely some emotional reactions. But uh, at the end of the day, Bayern picks up the three points, the three points that matter, regardless of any sort of results and COVID situations that's been happening to them. And BBB walk away with some potential defamation suits. Ain't that some shit? By the end of the day, BVB are now four points behind Bayern. Probably irreversible, as we as we might go and see Bayern win the league at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. Barring any sort of uh, ten player COVID positive tests, which is absolutely still possible, but obviously you wouldn't wish that on anybody. But now, also in Germany, taking it back to Friday. Union Berlin, 2-1 winners over RB Leipzig. That was Leipzig's final straw. They sacked Jesse Marsh. Oof, yep, they sent Jesse Marsh, the American, straight to the unemployment line. He said, Credit fam. card decline. Oh. <laughs> he said, get, get up out of here. This season has been, you know, very quick to cut the coaches' heads off. Uh, something that I thought would be happening last season, but. Um, even in the Bundesliga, nobody is safe. And uh, Jesse Marsh, yeah, after a pitiful start for Leipzig this, this season, um, they currently sit in goddamn 11th place. Uh, and that's three losses in a row in the in the Bundesliga for them there. Uh, so something had to change, and Jesse Marsh's head was cut off. He was not the man for the job, so they say, despite the fact that they did, uh, I mean, lose a couple of key players uh, this season. But 
that aside, I mean, and even how they ha- had some decent results in the Champions League, league form is absolutely pitiful. This is a team, as we all know, finished second uh, in 2020 and third in 2019-20. So um, they've been only on the rise under Nagelsmann before he went to Bayern. Marsh comes in and now they're sitting 11th with no hope in sight. Um, I guess with Leipzig, I mean, I respect their, the cutthroat. You know, many many coaches are getting sacked this season, as I said, and um, it's now or never. Really, they, they still have a lot to play for. Uh, Champions League spots are not quite out the window for them yet. Uh, and based on, we know, the, the machine that is the Red Bull, you know, teams or RB teams, uh, I'm sure that they don't want to be sitting at 11th or 10th or 9th come season's end. Yeah, he literally rose the Red Bull ranks from New York to Salzburg to Leipzig. And at Leipzig, it just did not work out. Sentiments, sentiments, you know, I do feel a little sad, but objectively speaking, I think it had to happen. Yeah, I think it was too much for him. And um, I feel feel like at Salzburg, he was in a good place. Maybe Maybe a little bit less pressure. The Leipzig job... Surprisingly, comes with a lot of pressure because they've been competing so well in the last couple of seasons in the Champions League. I mean, even, you know, uh, domestically as well. And they've still got a bunch of good players aside from what they, you know, the players that have gone to Bayern Munich, realistically. Um, but Andre Silva's still there. Christopher Nkuku's been an absolute beast this season. Um, Conrad Leimer, of course, and others. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Ron. I think he just, it had to happen. And I guess we'll see what, what Leipzig, uh, where Leipzig takes it from here. At the moment, I believe the, the interim manager that will take over. How many games Achim. am I going to Berloser. Thank you for taking that because that was going to, yep. He's going to leave Berloser. Leipzig against Manchester City on Tuesday. Yeah, man. This, um, it should be an interesting fixture. Uh, obviously, for him, it would be tough to prepare for that match. He'll hope and Cuckoo, as I mentioned before, is in the same form he was in when they played City at the beginning of the season. But yeah, Leipzig uh, want to be competing for the top and being that far down as uh, BVB and specifically Bayern themselves are running away with the league as they always do is unacceptable, I think, for a club who has probably established themselves as, if not top two, top three, for sure. Now, Saturday... Is gonna be El just got trashico because mm. Leipzig play Mönchengladbach, teams who have been on a bit of a decline. Mönchengladbach got their asses handed to them by Freiburg six nothing today. Mönchengladbach absolutely struggling. They're sitting even behind RB Leipzig as you mentioned, so uh, losing to Freiburg, who on the other hand could realistically finish in a Champions League position this season, which would be that would be absolutely incredible for them. Yep. An astronomical ride for Freiburg. So we'd love to see that. We clamored for Real Sociedad at the top of La Liga. That's not the case anymore. Um Real Madrid is atop the table, defeating Real Sociedad to Saturday after beating Athletic Club in the midweek. They are on 39 points. Sevilla are behind them on 31. Big gap in La Liga. And, you know, as, you know, the cliche goes, a gap that big, eight points, the league is over. Um, 
is La Liga over? Is Real Madrid taking it? Yes. I think it's uh, um, La Liga, no matter what you say about it, a an eight-point lead is usually enough, and especially not to take away from Real Madrid, the way that they're playing at the moment. Uh, five straight wins in uh, the league, I think seven unbeaten or six unbeaten, including El Clasico, not to mention their Champions League form. Uh, Kareem Benzema and Vinny Jr. are on fire. Also, I mean, in the back there, you know, in their defense, no Sergio Ramos, he's at PSG, but Eder Militao has been really good. And, of course, they have those stalwarts in their midfield that can, on any given day, can be the best players on the pitch. So Real Madrid's in a really good spot. I think what's interesting, aside from the fact that uh, uh, Rayo, who, uh, who won this weekend, the top four race, and I, we obviously spoke about this a while back, I think, but the top four race will be really interesting this season at La Liga because so many teams can get in there. And at this current moment, we've got Sevilla and Real Betis, who, you know, usually the usual suspects would be Atletico Madrid, um, Sevilla might crack in there somewhere, obviously Barcelona. So I'd like to see at least two, maybe hopefully three teams that would be new. But I think I'd like to obviously find a way in there. But I think that's the really interesting part about La Liga this season as Real Madrid are in really good form and nothing else to say about them. I would love to see two Sevilla teams in the top four at season's end. So seeing Real Betis up there, it's definitely quite nice to see. Atletico Madrid, they're currently in fourth. Tied on points with Real Sociedad, ahead on goal difference. Real Sociedad took a bit of a dip in form, but yeah. they still can finish in a European place. Rayo Vallecano, Let's your go. team, Let's sixth. Go. And did mention Real Betis. They beat Barcelona at the Camp Nou on the weekend. Juanmi scoring the game winner, and uh, Barcelona are sitting in sixth. Yep. Rather seventh. Yeah, they're in seventh behind Rayo Vallecano. Four points uh, between them. So uh, that's uh, if if Rayo can keep a decent form, maybe they can stick to a European spot. You'd imagine Barcelona with the talent that they might have, that maybe they can make a push. Obviously, the Chavi the era has just begun, and he might need some time to incorporate his Ten Commandments. Um, but a, a loss at the weekend uh, is not how you get it going. And probably another loss in the midweek. As they play, what, Bayern Munich. Oof. And as an angry Lewandowski who probably doesn't care that Messi that PSG now. He's just going to associate him with Barcelona. And he might be on dirt. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a song that I know. And Spencer corrects me very quickly. Um, Madrid are 11 unbeaten. Is that in all? Uh, that's in all competitions. Um, that's in so, all yeah. competitions. Yeah, because I think they lost to Espanol. Yeah, they lost to Espanol in October. And since then, yeah. they haven't lost. Yeah. There you go. So uh, 11 unbeaten in all comps. That's Spencer at the data just clarifies. He says, don't talk about my man like that. Um, That is it for La Liga. Quick hit on Serie A one time. I have to. And absolutely have to give acknowledgement to Juan Cuadrado, homeboy scoring an Olimpico against Genoa as part of a 2 nothing win over Andriy Shevchenko's side. Paulo Dybala also scored late in the second half. Yeah. You've got to love a good Olimpico. 
And it seems like Juan Cuadrado has been Juventus's sort of saving grace this season, aside from uh, you know Chiesa, who didn't play on uh, Sunday on uh, time of recording. As far as I know, maybe he didn't start. I don't think he played. Yeah, he didn't play. Um, but Cuadrado has been, I mean, the winner against Fiorentina, scoring an Olympico here. He's he's making sure that you know Juve get the points that they need. They can't, can't I guess I can't hate on Dybala either, who's been scoring goals as well. Juventus Bahati. now climbed up to fifth because yeah, of their midweek result to Salernitana and this weekend's result. Making a climb up the table, Serie A, the hotly contested uh, race. Yeah, Napoli's Napoli. only down the third now. Yes, sees Napoli finally knocked off the top spot as AC Milan, who has been chasing them all season, uh, now sit there. Well, as you said, um, obviously we've had midweek matches, which greatly helped them. Uh, they uh, beat Genoa 3-0 and then Salernitana yesterday on Saturday. Inter Milan doing a bit of the same, giving um, Roma the absolute ass whooping. Jose Mourinho's been getting the 3-0 treatment. Denzel Dumfries getting a goal, Aiden Dzeko, and Hakan Chalanoglu, who says, I'm AC Milan and Inter Milan's hero, as they also beat Spezia at the midweek. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, Napoli went from being unbeaten in the league to falling to third place. Uh, they lost to Napoli, uh, they lost to Atalanta on Saturday before they drew Sassuolo on Wednesday. So, uh, in quick succession, just dropping points. Only one point in the in the two matches this uh, this week. And you mentioned all... Atalanta; they beat Napoli, like you said, and they gave the beats to Venezia in the midweek, rounding out the Italian top four. Yeah, man. So we've got ourselves a a really nice race here. It's you could say a four legged race. Uh, four points separate the top sides from one to four. With Juventus just sitting there on the outside on twenty seven points, they'll want to get in there. Uh, Atalanta, by the way, speaking as you mentioned, speaking of them, uh, unbeaten in their last five in the prim- in the in Serie A, I should mention. Amen. And they have a very important match coming up against the Villarreal. Oh, they definitely do. As they you know, uh, last time out they uh, drew young boys. That was a wild match. Uh, so they'll want to pick these points up. They definitely want to win this match. But they can either be in the Champions League knockout, the Europa League playoffs, or out of Europe altogether. Are all together, <laughs> and that's a crazy place to be. I'm sure Gasparini's men are going to be stressed out, but yeah, Siri. I mean, people are talking about the Premier League being an entertaining three-legged race. We've got ourselves a four-legged race here in Syria. Uh, very entertaining stuff. Hey, are we man, still? I, are we still thinking Napoli can make it? I am hopeful that Napoli can make it. The drop-off in points isn't that massive. They're only two points behind AC Milan at the top of the table. Very possible. When they meet later this month, Milan and Napoli, that is going to be a fucking banger. Can't wait. At least on paper. Absolutely. And we shall see how it goes down. Uh, Atalanta, after having a slow start, and same with Inter Milan, uh, both sides, you don't want to come up against them at this point. Mm Mm-mm-mm. Some very interesting stuff. Meanwhile, uh, it last on uh, Serie A real quick. Jose Mourinho's Roma, not in the best of forms. Uh, they've been struggling. We'll see what they can do. And uh, Fiorentina sort of in the same boat. Lazio trailing the both of them sitting in eighth. But, yeah, all, absolutely all points are for grabs here in Serie A. All European positions are still at this point open, going all the way down to 10th place. So ridiculous stuff. Have you got any football takes before we wrap this up? Um, 
Let me think. While you think, shouts to Atletico Mineiro in the Brasileirao winning the Brazilian top flight after 50 years of not doing so. Team that boasts Hulk, Diego Costa, Eduardo Vargas, the Chilean. Shouts to Los Gallos. They finally did it. Belo Horizonte is lit right now. Shouts to everyone in Brazil, Elvi. Brazil. There we go. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Another one of my favorites lately has been saying Arsenal fullback Nuno Tavash. No, they say Nuno Tavash. I've been enjoying saying his name. <laughs> that on that note, fact. I saw a video of someone said Nuno Mensch. Jeez. It's Nuno Mendes on paper. Yeah, but come on. I love that. It's, a, it's just very much, a, you know, just scrunch it up. Nuno Mensch. Nuno Tavash. Brazil. Nuno Tavash. Factos on this side. Uh, I, I can't, I don't think I have any other. Uh, I do want a brief shout out to uh, Scott Parker, AFC Bournemouth. I gave him BS of the Week a little bit ago um, for not playing Mitrovic, but I guess it doesn't matter as they played Fulham to a draw over the weekend. An interesting little setup they had. I think I saw courtesy of, again, our boy Sebastian, Campfire Football. Hell of a play they, they, they had uh, just outside, just at the beginning of the second half. But they scored a goal within seconds, and it clearly was something that they practiced, and it worked. You love to see them kind of stuff. Look like almost like a flea flicker in the NFL. But that's a that's a shout out I got. But aside from that, Ronnie, yeah, I got I got nothing. The only thing I gotta ask because you got nothing is it that time? If by that time you mean bs of the week time uh the fact that i couldn't think of a funny enough joke yes absolutely it's that time it's bs of the week time baby let's get it got a couple first things first we're going back to italia for this there is this video of a italian reporter greta beccaglia she was outside of the stadium during empoli versus fiorentina a match in which the latter side lost. While she was conducting a piece from outside the stadium, one of the Fiorentina fans literally just smacked her ass out of nowhere. Why why, why you touch people inappropriately, let alone an uh, established reporter in Italy? Definitely a no-go. What's really BS about this, though, after she gets groped, she tells the person who did it, yo, you can't be doing that. The person back in the TV studio who she was speaking to, Gregorio Micheletti, said verbatim, come on, don't take it the wrong way. That is nasty business, fam. What? In the what? In this day and age? Yeah. I don't think I need to explain why this is bullshit. You can't be out here talking about don't take it like that. How else are you supposed to take it in that context? Um, nasty business. Have another bit of BS of the week. Um, do you want to give yours first? Uh, yeah, sure. So mine is also in uh, Italia, uh, as uh, the club that uh, they call the old lady, the Bianco Neri, if you will. Juventus Football Club has been uh, back in the news, as we might have mentioned on the pod a couple weeks ago, in regards to not max, not match fixing, but. Uh, some financial scandals that had to do with, with inflated player transfers. Um, they are currently being investigated, and there are uh, sort of 
some really tough punishments that uh, are being thrown out there allegedly, saying Juventus could be relegated to Serie B uh, and, and stripped of their last Serie A title. Um, now, the investigation focuses on the front office, not necessarily match fixing, like I said, this time around. It seems as if, for example, it caught my radar because of a deal that was made with Tottenham Hotspur for Christian Romero, the Argentinian center back, and Fabio Paratici, Spurs' new director of football, seemed to try to run away from the matters, who was Juventus' DOF for the last 10 or so years in their glorious run of nine Scudettos in a row and two Champions League finals. Um, police have raided their offices in Turin and Milan. They're looking at uh, player transfer sheets, financial documents, things of that nature, trying to see where and how Juventus was uh, inflating player transfers. I mentioned the Christian Romero transfer, for example, a player who they purchased, I believe, from Genoa. I could be wrong. Um, but immediately he was loaned out to Atalanta. When Spurs purchased Romero, Atalanta closed on that same day for a purchase from Juventus for 13.5 million euro and then turned around and uh, sold him to Spurs for 47 million euro. So these sort of, uh, I guess, loopholes, if you will, something Juventus has got going on where they're inflating the players. Apparently there are 42 other transfers that are similar in this uh, aspect. Cristiano Ronaldo's transfer away from Juventus is amongst those um, alongside a bunch of other loanees and, uh, you know, young academy players and things of that nature. So Juventus front office, uh, I mentioned Paratici's in there, Pavel Nedved, who has become Ronnie's op, and of, ah. course, Andrea, <laughs> and of course, Andrea Agnelli. Uh, so it wasn't just the Super League that, Juve that made uh, Juventus on dirt in 2021. This is something that I think we're going to have to take a look into deeper in the coming weeks, maybe in the coming months. But uh, I'll just give a quick quote from one Mar Marco Donzelli before I give the quote. It looks like, should these things be true, Juventus could in fact be stripped of their, uh, Serie a, their last Serie A title and then uh, potentially relegated again. If they are to be relegated, that'd be twice in 20 years. Man, that is absolute madness. Uh, the match-fixing dons in Juventus. Um, but anyways, uh, a quote here real quick. If Juventus were to have illegitimately gained an advantage over rival clubs with operations of this type, then the regular regularity of the last football championships would fail, and as a consequence, the Federation and the Authority for Market Competition will have to intervene and sanction those responsible. So, um, as I said, police have been investigating key figures at the club. It's ugly, y'all. BS of the week, Juventus front office, y'all on smoke. You didn't get the message with the match fixing the Calcio Poli. I guess, uh, yeah, we will see what happens. It's all nasty business out here. Ronnie, what is your other BS of the week? I saw some bullshit about Juan Laporta continuing to push the idea of the European Super League. But it's getting to the point where, like, on SpongeBob, how many times we got to teach you this lesson, old man? How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> oh, man, classic. It's getting to that point. we got to keep a ticker on how many SpongeBob references we make because this has got to be like the 10th one. <laughs> hey, man, I'm with it. What was egregious? Laporta wants Usman Dembele to stay at Barcelona 
despite all the rumors of getting rid of him, more so for financial reasons because they don't got no monies. Laporta said, quote, we have a very good relationship with Dembele and he wants to stay. I am enthusiastic about Dembele. He's a better player than Mbappe. I don't know if that player is Killian. <laughs> he is tripping. It's interesting how where all these things are coming to light. Juventus's financial scamming and the levels to which uh, they were pressing for the Super League. I wonder if anything will come out of Real Madrid because Fiorentino Perez, if we're going by that logic, he was going crazy for the Super League as well. Uh, hey, man, Spencer was at the Super League meeting. Whoa, do you, do whoa, you have anything to say? Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't bring them anything <laughs> they don't need to be involved in. It's <laughs> like the skit in Chappelle show where Dave Chappelle is the president and they're asking him questions about, uh, I think, oil or Afghanistan. He stands with ones from the press conference. Iconic. But, um, hey, man. But that being said, we are done here. We thank you guys for listening to us and for getting in touch with us on social medias via the instant gram. Do not forget our episode on Campfire Football is on Sebastian's Instagram and on his Spotify feed or wherever you get your podcasts. So definitely check that out. Again, it was a Amazing conversation, as it always is with Sebastian, at Campfire Football. Sebastian North, shouts to him. He deserves all the flowers that comes his way. Air horns for the man from Colorado. Been waiting for those air horns for a couple of days now. Woo! Also, 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 y'all better watch his face, because next week we got some. We, we got something for y'all. We got, a, we got an announcement. Yes, we do. We, we sure do. Out. And it's a nasty one. Nasty announcement. Um, <laughs> Long-time listeners may have an idea of what that announcement might be. If y'all don't, stick around next week. We will drop the announcement, and we will need your help. So watch the space. Until then, for the good brother, LV Paper Fonto. And Data Desk Spence, who is he still on in yellow or is it officially rescinded? I think he made it clear past this episode. So yeah, it's uh, it's, it's clear now. He's good. It's been wiped. Even though he doesn't want Villa to take three points from Liverpool. Nah, I, I can't card him for that one. <laughs> that would be wild. <laughs> <laughs> I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you on episode 71 where we will have that special announcement. Adios, everybody. Woo!